0: The Sports, Sports Talk, Talk with Devin Wade Briefcast. Liking Brown, well, teams, any given any Sunday, me. anything You're What happening. we think so far? Lakers were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Briefcast. Welcome to Briefcast Fifty Seven, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. When I come to you guys without my special teams unit, but solo, but like usual, we're anticipating a guest. In the second half of the show, want to thank you so much for tuning in, and as you can tell by my voice, a little bit under the weather, so there may be some awkward pauses in there when I have to stop and pause the recording, cough. Get all of this stuff out of my lungs And uh, then I can come back to you So nonetheless, welcome Another great show we anticipate for you Don't know how you found us, but we are glad that you did Whether it's on KTSURadio.com Or on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes What is it, Apple Podcasts Wherever you get your podcast, we're there And I want to thank you guys For sharing and caring And telling friends about it A couple things I want to remind you of want to remind you to give us a call anytime, 24 hours a day with your take on anything and everything, and that's by calling 832 941 6614. That's 832 941 6614. In addition to that, go to wagewordproductions.com. And subscribe to the email list and you will get an email from yours truly about what we are going through and what are we, not what are we going through. I'm I'm going through illness, but what we are doing these days and what we have coming up and how to do some fun stuff to be interactive. So uh, it's a lot going on. As you can tell, I'm not 100%. And I said last podcast, I was fighting off sickness and I thought I had it defeated. And then it came back, and I'll tell you more about that a little bit later on in the show. But this time out, I want to give you a rundown. We are going to do some headlines and talk about some things that are going on. want to get into some Astros, some uh, XFL. I want to give you my take on a number of other things, including Gail King and uh, other stuff in and around the world of sports. So I want to get into uh, some of those things. We are going to do a We the People segment. Where I hear from you guys, take some phone calls, and also uh, run down some poll responses that you guys. I posed a poll on the Sports Talk with Devin Way group page on Facebook, and you guys have voted on that. So that's a good thing. I have something special coming up in the second half. I'm gonna do brand new, but uh, in brand new, I'm gonna tell you about something that I am. I'm, that's on my spirit. Hey, <laughs> so. I don't I don't know a better way to say that. Well, yeah, I do know a better way to say that. But I they, I want to tease you but not uh, reveal what I want to talk about. But there's something I'm going in a new direction on some things, and I'm going to be much more active in a certain way, and it may not be a big surprise if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time. Also, we have Terrence Harris coming up. We're anticipating a visit with him, and he's a Houston sports writer, and we're going to get into so a bunch of different topics with him. He has a very interesting uh, Last time he was on, long, 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 long time ago, he had a very interesting text partner that he would go back and forth with texts, uh, and I'll get into some some of those things as well voice not holding up well but we're gonna get through it okay I, i'm gonna get my hot tea and we're gonna get through this and try to improve and sound a little bit better after terrence harris we will do a lamont award we have a brand new lamont award recipient and before i let go so all of those things and maybe a little bit more we never know when we uh, start the car we never know where it's going but we're glad that you are with us and with that Let's get into some headlines. In headlines, a number of things going on. We are at the NBA All-Star break, so we won't talk a lot of basketball. We have a lot more of that to come. They have a week off, so and I don't I know. Well, I don't know because I'll get into this in the We the People segment, uh, but I suspect that you guys don't care very much about All-Star weekend. It's uh really... I, you know, I don't know. That is for uh, maybe a different demographic than I am in anymore. So uh, XFL got underway. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Astros, a little bit about the Gil King situation as well, and uh, all of those things. I want to say the Astros for last. I want to start with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett got reinstated in the NFL, and <laughs> you know what? He's, he's celebrated by doing something really not smart. He goes out and has an interview, and he just rips the Band aid off of that healed wound already. Already when the NFL uh, announced his reinstatement a lot of criticism about way he only got 6 games essentially for swinging a helmet. But if you knew what was going on, you read the situation, you knew that the indefinite suspension was going to be for the remainder of the season and that he would be reinstated for the 2020 season. It serves the NFL no purpose to drag this into next season so I think for them to resolve that this early was the appropriate response and I think the notice has been served to everybody else you do not swing a helmet uh, at somebody and I think that the backlash that Miles Garrett got is bigger than the penalty itself. And I think the guys know from now on, that is not something that you can ever, ever, ever do in the NFL, especially if you're miles gear, but miles gear comes out and does an interview. And again, he agitates the entire situation by reiterating something. He said very late in the process. He says that Mason Rudolph called him the N word. Okay. So let, let's rewind this a little bit. Cause we talked about this on previous podcasts. So, he tackles Rudolph. Then Rudolph tries to rip his helmet off a little bit and and some words. Whatever happened, he went crazy, and he took his helmet, took Rudolph's helmet off, swung it, blah, blah, blah. Got ejected from the game, apologized in the postgame was really contrite and talked about himself being out of control. Then it went on. I think he apologized again. I think, you know, everybody, you know, all the teammates commented on it. And it wasn't until he was before the league that he stated that Mason Rudolph called him the N-word. Now, wait a minute. What? Why? How? Wait a minute. So this brings to mind a bunch of questions. So why are you apologizing if he called you that? Even if you know you went overboard, that would have come up in the apology or lack thereof. I mean, it would have went something like, hey, I shouldn't have swung the helmet, but. And I know people don't like butts when you get apologies. But if you say, if you call me the N-word, and in that context, which it should be no context for, it, but let realistically, if it's an animosity and a racial component to it and you call me that and I'm moved to the point where I'm going to put hands on you, I'm not going to come right back and apologize. We- we're going to make you accountable for what you did. So I would say something to the effect of, yeah, going swinging to him was too much. I should have just whooped his because he called me the N-word. But what he does instead was wait until he gets to New York to say that. Didn't say it in the locker room. Didn't say it at any other point until you got before the league. So if you ask me, I'm not believing Miles Gear. But he reiterated that. Mason Rudolph, I think he has already come out and said he's a liar. And this thing is just, it just was a dumb thing to do for Miles Gary. Because if this really, really happened again, we've seen people respond to certain situations and they'll take their punishment, but they won't apologize to that person. They won't. To me, he didn't, nah, I just don't, I don't believe it. I just, I'm sorry, but even if it's true, it's past you now. Now, guess what's going to happen for the next few weeks and into the season? It's you, Rudolph. Rudolph may sue you for this. I don't know. This may go on and on and on. No microphones picked this up. Nobody else heard it except Miles Garrett. Maybe he said he he said he called him a dumb n-word. I don't know what is there any phrase that sounds similar to that that maybe Miles Garrett misinterpreted? I, I don't I don't know. But for him to bring this up now. You should have just let it go. It's important that the people who know, know now, again, if you put this out there in the public again, it still seems like you're not quite taking accountability for what you did. Now, and if you don't want to apologize that, you know, do what the Astros did, just say it dry. But, but if you really are sincerely apologetic, then you don't have to bring this back up. And if you, if he really did say that, you should say i should not apologize i shouldn't apologize he uh, he says something to the effect of well no words should make me have responded that way or whatever i just think it's a ridiculous situation for him to go and do an interview right after he got reinstated you you're not going to win this game and you look like you're playing dun 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 the race card and you know and i just you just i just i can't tell people how to respond I I really can't. And and everybody responds to things different. But if you want me to believe you and living as long as I've lived, I've never seen somebody, I've seen people attack other people for racial stuff, not even the N word. And they, those people did not go back and apologize to that person because that is such a provocative, ugly word in our language, especially used in a conflict between the races. In, in any kind of interaction like that no the, you know the, i don't see people i wouldn't apologize and, and it would have come up immediately it just would have come up immediately so next thing up the xfl had a chance to check out the houston roughnecks had uh nearly eighteen thousand out for that very uh very exciting i was it was refreshing it was different for us in Houston. It was outdoor football, something that we don't see very often uh, on a pro level. If, you know, we're native Houstonians. We've not played in open air uh, very many times. It's been, I don't know, 10 years since the, maybe not 10, but several years since the Texans have opened the roof. And even that, didn't, that has a different type of feel. But nonetheless. At a TDECU Stadium, the Roughnecks opened their inaugural season. XFL loved it so much. They love training camp here and everything else. They announced this week that the championship game will be held here in Houston as well. But my thoughts on the game are as follows. I thought the customer service was great. We talked to Brian Michael Cooper uh, on a previous podcast, and he talked about service. And the service was great. You had a lot of help. You had a lot of everything was on, t- on point. You go in and the fans were rabid. I mean, I was really surprised for an inaugural game to see uh, folks decked out, faces painted, uh, in uniform, in, uh, you know, you have full regalia. You're doing your thing. You are just really into it. I was surprised to see that in game one. But the fans, uh, you know, and and talking to a couple of people, I understand more now that I thought about it that. This this, uh, fan base was really, really excited. But these are different types of fans in the NFL. In the NFL, you have PSL payers. You have season ticket holders. It's expensive to go to an NFL game. This one I think uh, you can get in for you could have gotten in for as little as 20 bucks and it, it brings in a uh, a working man you know class of football fan in addition to anybody else who wants to see. but I'm saying like like you can really if you couldn't afford to go to the Texans game you could afford this and when you have those types of fans you seem to get a lot more energy and a lot more passion and we saw that as for the game itself the kickoff was a very unique thing. The teams line up five yards apart from one another, and the ball is kicked from way back. There are no touchbacks, and wherever the the uh, runner feels about, he has to run. He cannot take it, he can't fair catch it. Subsequently, the defense, uh, the kickoff team, cannot move. Until that player touches the football. It was a unique uh, lineup. It was really interesting to see. I posted it on Instagram and on Twitter. And I thought that it was really cool. But I don't know if I want to see that in the NFL. I'm not sure that I'm ready for that. Give me a few more weeks to work on that. I thought the replay stuff was cool. And apparently, if you watch the game on television, you got an opportunity to see the replay booth work through it. I thought that was cool. The most interesting thing, and not the extra point deal, which that was cool too, and I'll get into that. But the most interesting thing is that the clock stops under two minutes It left in the game after every play and there's a five-second runoff. And so that means the last two minutes of the game are very exciting. You don't have this frenetic kind of run to the line and spike the football thing. You can run the football knowing that the clock is going to stop. It's a five-second runoff, and then you run your play. I think that is super interesting if it's a close game. Now, the game I was at, the Roughnecks were winning by 20 points, so there was not the drama involved with it like it would be if that was a 10-point game because of – or a nine-point game. I guess you can go for th- two, one, two, or three on the extra points. Extra points. You know, I guess the NFL has to do something about making the PATs more exciting. And this is an option. And you look, see, you look at this thing through a couple different lenses. First of all, you look at it as a football fan. You're like, okay, yeah, all right, I get it. All right, I like it. Okay, okay. But then you look at it through the lens of, is this something the NFL would incorporate? And I have to say, no, nah, uh, uh, maybe. Maybe the kickoff component. I know they've been looking for ways to make the kickoffs safer, but not eliminate them from the game. I don't want to see kickoffs uh, eliminated from the game because some of the most exciting moments in football is a kick return for a touchdown. Uh, this uh, this format in the XFL maybe, maybe lends itself to that, maybe not. It will be interesting to see what the special team coaches come up with once they sort of figure this thing out in real time and and get some experience under their belts. And then they can uh, sort of devise schemes and blocking schemes to try to break one of these runs uh, for a long distance. So, you know, it's it's something that you look forward to seeing more of. But I don't know that this is something I want to see in the NFL yet. The one thing I did not like was the in-game interviews of the players. I, I'm not big on in-game interviews. Because you're not going to get much. You really are You may get something out of the the XFL players. But in the NFL, you're not going to get much. You, get, you don't get much in the post-game. So you're certainly not going to get a lot... In the middle of the game, I get it. I You wanted to have as you want the game to have as much access as possible. You had the microphones open, and I think that we need a little bit of that separation. We don't want these guys. I mean, I don't know. I just want these guys' minds on the game because our f bomb was dropped on network television. It's too. It's too much. It's too much. Uh, and then a lot of times, what the media will do will ask for all this access and turn around and become critical of these guys and what they say. I mean, it's same. That's why they allow the cool off period after the post game. So these guys can cool down and think about what they want to say in game. Not a fan of that, but by and large, I love the experience and I'm excited about the XFL, not NFL excited, but you know, it's like, Oh Yeah. I'll check that out. That that that's a cool distraction for the the winter months, going into the spring before baseball really gets going. I guess that first month of baseball will be underway. So and, and once the league expands, and it may because it seems to be successful through one week, we have a lot of time to see. Uh, but then we'll we'll figure out if this is going to be sustainable. Uh, but good luck uh, and congratulations to them for their first uh, week and uh, having success doing that. Talking about the Astros now, want to get into the Houston Astros. The big day came and went where the Astros made their apologies. Jim Crane made his statement, quite incompetent. <laughs> he just said, he just didn't handle it the right way. I'm not too mad at him about it because if you want somebody to act on a mistake, he's done that. He was severe and swift in his punishment. He found out, if you go with the assumption that he didn't know. And let's go with the assumption. I'm going to go with the assumption that he didn't know. He didn't seem to be a hands-on owner in that way. Just, I'm on the outside looking in, I don't know. He doesn't seem to be that kind of guy. But I will say this, going under the assumption that he did not know what was going on, as soon as he found out, he fired the GM and he fired the manager. That's all you can do, essentially, I mean and make sure you I mean obviously you serving notice that this will never happen again to my organization. So he can fumble over his words, he can fumble over his pu- public statement, he could have had some folks in his ear guiding him through this process, but then they would have said, well, he looked prepared, he didn't seem authentic, so he can't win there. But it's what you've done, and he's done what he can do in replacing. And he brought in a very credible manager in Dusty Baker. So he said to Major League Baseball, look, this is a guy. This is a career, lifetime baseball guy. 70-year-old Dusty Baker, impeccable reputation around Major League Baseball. This is what we do when we find out there's a problem. Didn't want cheating happening. Won't happen again. He's done that. Players came out and made their statements. People are not happy, but there's a couple different elements to this. First of all, I'm sick of apologizing. We're done with that, okay? I'm wrong. get over it. All of this oh they shouldn't have the ring. kiss the ring. kiss the ring. We're not doing this anymore. I'm not look when when did the New England Patriots apologize? When 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 are the the Boston and the, the the Patriot fans, all the folks from from New England, from that whole region and across the country that love the Patriots, when are they going to apologize? Man, I haven't seen a lot of apology coming from them. So whatever apology uh, apology you get from us oh or and I say us, but from the Astros, that's what you get. So wh- and I think the problem is we have offended Two of the top uh, three or four media markets, the top two media markets in this country, the L.A. market and the New York market. Oh, the beloved Angelic Yankees. Oh, oh, they had, were slighted in some way. Well, didn't you have Alex Rodriguez? Wasn't he on performance-enhancing drugs? Then you have Roger Clemens. Then you have Andy Pettit with, on steroids. Come on now, come, 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 come on now. Talk to me, the L.A. Dodgers. Look, you lost at home, Game Seven at home. So, whatever the Astros did, you had one game at home to get it done. At home. You weren't here. You were at home, and you couldn't get it done. Get over yourselves, and then stop. If you read the report, stop talking about what happened in 18 and 19. The Major League Baseball report, and read the report. The Major League report says in 18 and 19, they were clean. Okay? Whether you believe that or not, that's on you. Take it up with the league. But these guys had full immunity to confess to everything. And they did. If you believe that. If you don't, then you're never gonna believe. And I don't give a damn anyway. So with that in mind, leave us I look, if you're I'm imploring all my H Town fans, all my Houston folks, hey, you rep the H. Throw up the H and represent the Astros because they're gonna get booed. And I'm telling you what People are gonna throw at them. And they're gonna it's gonna be some bean balls and all that. And I tell you that we need to get some goons in training camp. And I and I said this on KTSU this morning. After we have morning workouts, the Astros need to have fight club. And if if you are not good enough to make the roster, but you can throw those hands, we have a spot for you. Because what what we're not gonna do, what we're not gonna do is you're not gonna throw at me every day. And if you want to go there, we will get with you. If you're about that life, we're about that life too. So if you want us to be the bad guy, I'll be the bad guy. I have no problem with being a bad guy. And my man, Carlos Correa, has already come out and got with him. He basically checked Cody Bellinger. Bellinger came out and said, oh, you know, oh, this, ain't, this ain't fair, and they cheated, blah, blah. This is the quote, and let me find it here. Quote, when he talks about that we cheated for three years, either he doesn't know how to read, is really bad at reading comprehension, or is just not informed at all. End quote. And I'm telling you, man, look, that's how you have to deal with that. I love it. I love that response. And know what El Tuve saying, we're going to the World Series again. That's an uphill battle. But look, stand by that. And one more thing I want to say. There are people more upset about the Astros than they are about Donald Trump doing what he's doing in the White House, compromising our democracy, really nullifying uh, one of the the three branches of government. I mean, just all of the stuff that he's doing uh, over the, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. But you're mad about what's going on at baseball, a game, than you are about what's going on with our democracy. So, So time out for that. Speaking of everybody going crazy, Everybody jumped on Gail King about Kobe Bryant. So let me briefly tell you this story because I just want—I do want to comment on this one a little bit. Gail King and a lot of people are doing a lot of stuff for Kobe Bryant. We'll see a lot of tributes uh, over All-Star weekend and some of the stuff the media can kind of reach a little bit. I, I think at some point Tiger Woods was playing around the golf and he had a putt that was 24 uh, feet 8 inches and they made that a thing. Now I think now when you do that all due respect to the those who passed away that's a bit much but Gail King interviews Lisa Leslie in the middle of the interview she said and if you don't I'm sure most people know about now she asked Lisa Leslie about Kobe Bryant and about do you think that the the rape allegations tarnished his image and should we be talking about his legacy and she was like no 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 she she squashed it then Gail followed up and said but you know what well, essentially Lisa Leslie said they didn't see that I'd never have seen any kind of behavior like that from Kobe Bryant and Gail went out of her way to say you wouldn't see you wouldn't see. And of course, tw- black Twitter especially got on her in the worst way and they gave her the business. And the biggest critic was Snoop. And Snoop called her out of her name and called her dog face, blah, blah, blah. He he went on in on her. And since he's apologized. But a couple things about that. People were appalled at Snoop. And what I would say about that is, just like I said when he performed at, uh, what was it, Kansas Midnight Madness basketball deal. You got to know your personnel. If you are surprised by Snoop's response and you think because you've seen him on all these television shows and he kicks it with Martha Stewart, he has a show with Martha Stewart and he's just, everybody he's on Ellen and everybody loves him. He's Snoop. Have you not listened to his records? Have you not, do you know not know who this guy is? So if you're acting shocked by that, you don't know who he is. Now, he was 100% wrong to call that woman. That's an elderly woman. And and, I mean, she really is. I mean, she's, I think in her seventies or near 70 or whatever. I don't know how she's, she's an older woman. Shouldn't call that lady uh, out of her name. That being said, Oprah coming out crying, talking about, Oh, she has death threats. There are people out here who've done really wrong things, real life things, not words, not interviews, killing people, hurting people. George Zimmerman is walking around. And he's walking around free. He doesn't have a security team with him. Nobody's trying to kill George Zimmer. And nobody, nobody's trying to go to jail behind killing Gail over a damn interview. Please stop with the drama. The infighting It's going to happen. When people do things like make the mistakes that she made, which I think was wrong. You, again, you had a long time to address whatever you wanted to address with Kobe. If you are writing a, a, if making a documentary or writing a book... I think at that point, under those conditions, you start to examine the man, the life of, not right after he died, not with a friend of his that is still grieving. It's not the appropriate thing to do. I thought Lisa Leslie handled it tremendously. And, you know, I just think that what happened with Gail King, you know, she got caught up in the moment with her and Oprah. They're going after a lot of high profile guys and they are... Coincidentally or not, whatever you think, I won't get into that part. Uh, Michael Jackson, R. Kelly, Russell Simmons, and now Kobe Bryant. People are going to be in their feelings about that, right, wrong, or indifferent. You go after these guys, and you, you have other guys that you know that you haven't gone after for the public's taste. So that's just, that's out there, and that narrative is out there until they change it. And I don't know how they'll go about doing that. But I think Gail got caught up in that and wanted to, I don't know, did you try to have breaking news in that situation? Uh, mm, That's that's not what you want to do, but they'll have to work that out. But I can assure you, Gail is safe. Gail was always safe. No doubt about that. Nobody's trying to kill Gail over an interview. That's all I'll say about that. With that, let's go into a segment that we call We The People. We the people is when I go to the phone lines and uh, you guys call the sports talk with Devin Wade Sports Line and you can do so by calling twenty four hours a day, leaving a message. At 832-941-6614, that's 832-941-6614. In addition to that, I ask you guys poll questions about various topics in and around the world of sports. But let's start by uh, listening to some of the phone calls. We hadn't had a chance to listen to phone calls the last couple of episodes. Let's see what we have here on Sportsline.
1: Hello, Devin. This is Dave Osby-Shepard. Good morning. I just wanted to comment, comment on the Astros about their apologies being sincere. Uh, to me, if they have to apologize for it, and just looking at the past of how baseball has tried to set their platform on a higher standard, it just seems like to me they should just fall on the sword and Vacate the championship because it's going to follow all of the guys who are on that team for the rest of their career. So, I mean, it's, it, it won't happen, you know, and, and, and I really feel for the fans of the Houston Astros, but I just think um, it's just something they'll never get past, and that's my opinion.
0: One thing I've got, Dave, for the phone call. You know what? I have to disagree. I have to dis- disagree because again, do you give away for all the players that want steroids? Do we do we give away those titles? Do we give back those? Do, do they uh, rescind the, their championships? Do we? What about with those who had cork bats that never got caught? What about those who scuffed baseballs? What about those who took amphetamines and whatever narcotics they needed to to uh, cocaine, whatever they needed to to play and win with? And the other part of it, and if you think about the report, the report says that, and again, this is from the league. This is not Devin Wade. This is Rob Manford and Major League Baseball saying, hey, you know what? It's hard to determine how much this impacted the game. So we don't know. But what I do know is this wasn't a 50 win team without cameras. What I do know is that it didn't help them on the road. What I do know is that it didn't help the starting pitchers in any way. So how can you just say, well, they wouldn't have won it anyway. They shouldn't have done it, and it will taint them. And I think in a way, uh, Rob Manford, by not – suspending these players have created more backlash for them and another thing do all of the teams before what 1947 rescind their world series titles because no blacks were allowed to play it was a segregated league and nobody you didn't have access to african-american players now i know that's apples and oranges but i know the baseball purity deal is supposed to be important but you know it just doesn't stand up just like every other sport man guys are gonna do what they can to get an edge let's what's next up
2: hey Devin this is DL I'm calling because I'm really upset with the NCAA right now and I know this isn't a hot take or this isn't nothing that hasn't already been said before but man so Jamias Ramsey for those who don't know is a 6'4 freshman guard for Texas Tech men's basketball he can shoot the lights out the gym and is the highest-rated recruit in Texas Tech history. Well, on Wednesday, uh, February 12th, his mom's house caught on fire. So Texas Tech started a GoFundMe account and raised over $39,000. But once they approached close to $40,000, they had to cap it. And they said, funds raised through this initiative will go directly to support the actual value of Miss Bryant's losses, his mom. Any amount raised in excess will be donated to a local nonprofit organization. Man, where is the common sense? I personally believe athletes should be paid just for the heck of it. But for the sake of argument, if you think players being paid could lead to monopolies and programs with money, getting all the talent, this situation is just different. Jemais is already committed to Texas Tech. His family lost everything that they had, and the money was not coming from Texas Tech but from kind-hearted people who had the means and wanted to help. Not only is Jemais not being rewarded, but his family's almost being punished. Because had he not been a student-athlete, then whatever money raised could go directly to him and his mom and for whatever emotional damage they had to deal with, the time she might have not been able to work. Because her son's an athlete, she's only able to get enough to pay for what she lost. So, man, I'm really hoping the XFL continues to grow, more players start to get internship like rich paul's client Darius basically more states start allowing athletes to get endorsements and the nba starts allowing high school players to start going straight to the nba again and uh, let players like tim tebow or whoever play for their parents alma mater just for the heck of it but this is just getting ridiculous
0: Thanks, to Yale, for the phone call. You know what, man? It's just another example. Man, what a heartbreaking story for the young man and his family. It just is another example of why the NCAA is going to have major, major problems moving forward. It seems like uh, the momentum is moving towards something else. It's too much money. It's too much going on for these guys not to be compensated. And for uh, the university to do something nice like that for a, a student-athlete, is a tremendous thing, I, and just you just cannot make rhyme or reason of any of the NCAA rules sometimes, and and that's just another it's another example of why things will have to change in a major way soon in major collegiate athletics. Let's see what's next.
1: Yes, sir. I've been following Tyler Views Jalen Hurts for the last four years on Saturdays. Will we be following him on Sundays?
2: If so, what team thinks?
0: Thanks so much for the phone call. You know what? I do think we will see Jalen Hurts in the NFL. And I've said this for a little while, and I don't know if I said it on the, uh, the local show or if I just said it in conversation, but I think Jalen Hurts has already exemplified what it takes to be a professional on the next level. I mean, he took uh, the adversity at Alabama. He was Think about this. This is the biggest spotlight in all the college football, playing for Alabama. He's played well in big games. He's carried himself well, I mean, better than you could ever expect in adverse uh, situations and he is a guy that is thoroughly prepared day in and day out he works hard he's a leader by all accounts he's a great guy when he had to go to the bench he handled it perfectly he is an awesome young man from the outside looking in i don't know him personally but he just seems to be an awesome young man and i really do think he could be a tyrod taylor type now it does his talent does that make him a good fit for the NFL? We'll see. But he has all the intangibles. And I do think not only will he make it to the NFL, I think he'll have a long career. I don't know where. And I don't think that he'll necessarily be a starter. He may. He may not. It's, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to look take a closer look at him on that level. But I do think that he is a guy you want on your roster. He has that winning intangible thing that all good teams need, even if it's not from uh, all your starters. You need guys in that locker room that are just like Jalen Hurts and we wish him nothing but the best with that going to take a time out and I want to remind you guys we didn't get to all of the phone calls we'll try to include those in future podcasts so keep those calls coming 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 going to hear a word from our sponsor on the other side what's brand new with your boy and also a interview with our guy Terrence Harris and have the Lamont Award, and before I let go, uh, coming up, music from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. This is Breedcast 57, a Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and KTSURadio.com.
1: Yeah. <laughs> in the sunshine, and brown eyes. You're the one that I
0: desire. When we wake up, and up make
2: It makes me feel so nice You're my model and I'm stuck in the desert You're the child all I take when I
0: Welcome back to Briefcast 57, of Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. I want to remind you guys, if you have music and you want it played on our podcast, hit us up at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre does not matter as long as it's radio edit. And uh, we'll play a snippet at the halfway point And we'll play an extended portion of, say, a mix Like we'll do this time out Or an entire song at the end of that episode So again, hit us up if you have some music for us And we uh, would love to expose your listeners to what we like to do With that, let's go to a segment that we call What's Brand New Brand New What's brand new is uh, when I talk to you guys about something that's not related to sports, something usually about me, what's been going on in my life, and whatever else I want to get into that's not sports related. Because I do, I feel like it's important that I share and I come to you guys and uh, (laughs) let you know who I am and what I'm up to. Well, a lot is going on, and I know if you've listened for an extended period of time, this may not come as a surprise to you guys, but I'm quite political. And I'm not going to get into a lot of stuff here. This is not the format for that. Maybe the medium to to come to you guys uh, with a podcast, but not on the sports show. So we won't get delve into it a whole lot. Other than this time out, I want to tell you guys that I am endorsing and supporting a candidate for the United States Senate from the state of Texas. So all my Texans, let your ears perk up here because I'm talking to you. I know we have listeners literally all over the world, and this won't mean a whole lot to you guys, but for all of you guys who are in the state of Texas. The March 3rd primary is coming up. It's Super Tuesday. And the Democratic primary is important. Of course, everybody's looking at the presidential race. Is it Bloomberg, Biden, Warren, Sanders? Who is it going to be? Klobuchar. Who is it going to be? Well, that's a big decision, but a huge decision. And we've seen this with the impeachment trial, is who will represent Texas in the Senate? Well, in the Democratic primary, several folks are running, but I am supporting huge. Houston's own Amanda Edwards. Now she is a former city council person at large. So she represented the city of Houston. So she knows how to represent folks of all walks of life, all incomes, a, an entire city. She was a representative for, and uh, did a really good job with the hurricane Harvey and all of those things. She's actually been on this podcast. So she's accessible. If I can get to her, if, if we can reach out to her and say, Hey, come aboard and talk to our folks. And she did it. I mean, that says that she is a person for the people because, hey, after all, I'm just I'm just people. We're just people. Right. It's thousands and thousands of us. But we're just people. But she felt like it was important enough to come and say hi to us. And she's been on the show now. She's from the north side of Houston, which I won't hold that against her. I'm from the south side, South Park, Texas. I won't hold that against her, but she did go to Emory and to Harvard Law, and she's well qualified, and she wants to do what she can to serve the people, and I made a commitment that I would support her. So on March 3rd, when you go in, if you're voting in the Democratic primary, and we hope that you are— we want to make sure that you look at the position of uh, for the uh, representative, the United States Senate representative. There's some familiar names on there and some names that are not so familiar. But you definitely want to go to vote for Amanda Edwards. And if you want more information on her, if you don't believe me, if my word is not good enough, I want you to go to Amanda for texas.com that's Amanda for F O R texas.com check her out and I'll tell you what I may be venturing into political podcasting I'm doing some writing and some researching I don't know I won't do it here and I know you guys hear me chirp in but I do want to make sure that we get out and vote whoever you vote for we do want to make sure that your voice is heard here in the state of Texas and all over the country on March 3rd for Super Tuesday Texas is a part of that and we want you to be a part of that and we want to support uh, what well, I want to support Amanda Edwards and I hope you guys after you do your research we want to select her as well so with that want to take a brief break and come back with a conversation with Terrence Harris and the Lamont Award and before I let go all aboard your non-stop getaway to the weekend it's the Friday Express with yours truly Devin Wade each and every Friday from 7pm until 10, where we feature a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and a whole lot of this. End your work week and start your weekend with your non-stop getaway to the weekend. The Friday Express with Devin Wade exclusively on KTSU 90.9, your community station.
2: It's Shelly Wade and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade.
0: A veteran sports writer Terrence Harris is with us to talk about a number of topics, not the least of which are the Houston Astros and the XFL, among other things. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Good, so good to catch up with you again. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier. You were on one of the earlier episodes. Now we're 150 into this thing, and uh, you're back. And we are so glad to have you. And we wow. certainly appreciate it. Yeah, man, working at it. It's And uh, I man, we have folks all over the world that are listening. So it's uh, quite a surprise to me. But I am uh, a pleasant surprise and thrilled about it but yeah the last time you were here you talked about uh your text exchanges with one george zimmerman the george zimmerman yeah now is that still a thing i mean have you communicated with him recently you know something thank
1: god i lost that phone a couple years ago
0: (laughs) uh you know
1: and and so no I, i i'm so glad that that i did uh, you know that was certainly not a line of communication that I ever wanted to keep going. I mean, I, it was all for work purposes. You know, when I was with, with AP, I mean, once I was no longer with AP, I needed no reason to be be connected to George Zimmerman anymore. I mean, you know, you you just always felt a little bit just different dealing with that guy. I mean, but you know, as a journalist, we have to be objective. We have to be able to deal with people who personally we might not really like, but we have to still be willing to hear them out and tell their stories and that's all i was willing to do for him i mean
0: you know but did he try to take advantage of the situation to try to get his his message out somehow the biggest thing i don't get periodic messages about different things uh,
1: that maybe were going on in the news that he wanted to chime in about but the thing that that always resonated with me was when he got upset after the post nightclub shooting because He was afraid that somebody like like that guy, you know, was dangerous because he had a brother who was gay. So he could see he could sympathize from the standpoint of his his gay brother being possibly being affected by a homophobe. But he couldn't deal with the idea that he was a racist who killed a a young black kid for no good reason.
0: And did you You uh, how much I mean, I know that was a professional interaction. Did you ever kind of flex on him and say, you know, sort of give your opinion?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we we, yeah, we had those, you know, we had those back and forth sometimes, and, you know, and, and he would sometimes just say, hey, that's your opinion, that's your thought, whatever, you know, and, and then we just kind of move forward. Uh, you know, but he certainly, I mean, I think, you know, George knew, you know, where I stood and how I felt, I mean, but he also quickly understood that this guy is going to give me a fair shake, whether he likes me or not. And so because of that, I think he felt a little comfortable with me because – he saw that you know, I mean, yeah he he could tell I didn't, i mean, I didn't care for him, but I wasn't going to let that get in the way of doing a fair job when it came to covering him.
0: Right, and, and these days, I mean, good media work is hard to find uh, when you look at the environment coming out of uh, D.C. and national media. Uh, but, again, yeah. no, I digress. I won't get into that. Let's talk some sports. I mean, I had a chance to catch up with you at the uh, the Houston Roughnecks inaugural game of the XFL, and I want to get into that in just a moment. But let's start with the Houston Astros making them mayor Copa yesterday and uh, apologizing to the world, and everybody seems to still be pissed off with them about it. <laughs> what did you – What did you think uh, about the apology? And what do you think about the entire situation? You know, I was sitting there thinking the whole time. I was like, what is Jim Crane thinking?
1: I mean, to say what he said, he should have kept his mouth shut, man. I mean, you know, this doesn't take the world Series. This doesn't take your record. Are you kidding me? Well, I, mean, I think
0: you know, I, I think he handled it the worst out of everybody. He said it had no effect on the game, and Then 55 seconds later, he he sort of altered that answer. Uh, I I didn't think he handled it uh, really well, and I, I heard a lot of people calling for the firing of the PR firm uh, responsible for his messaging. But hey, man, he's a billionaire. You're not gonna control too many billionaires and what they say.
1: Well, we can see that by the guy we got in the Oval Office, right? Right. I mean, you know, it's the same It's the same, the same. theory. I mean, these guys are used to telling people what to do, not being told what to do and what to say. And so because of that, you can't tell them anything. Any PR firm could not have helped them. The best thing that they could have done in this situation, I think, is, is issue some type of a of, of letter of apology and then tried to move on. I mean, you know, and, and, and that was it. But to, to usher the players in and, and him and, and have this apology where it was really a half-hearted, I don't really get it kind of apology type thing. I mean, you know, to me, it was just, it was like this was an utter, utter mistake and it just did not help anything whatsoever. It just only made everybody more upset. And I, and I don't really understand how baseball isn't taking a closer look at this and maybe re- – Strongly reconsidering some of the things that were accomplished that season by the Astros and having to really take that into question because there's clearly a difference in how how well they played at home versus on the road that year, and and that 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 might be telling. I mean, you know, you're supposed to play better at home, of course, but still, I mean, you know, there, there's a different there's a discrepancy there, and so I think because of that, you you compromise the integrity of the game, and when you do that, I think you have to. Major League Baseball has to go to the next step and just kind of basically calling them out and, and suspending those two and really not dealing with the players that were also involved in the right way as well. I think baseball, what they're trying to do is they don't want to go through that. They don't want to run down that road of having to take back titles and, 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 and that sort of thing and, and reduce records. You know, They don't want to do that and because they don't want to do the heavy work it really looks bad for everybody.
0: Well, and since this is a discussion and not an interview. I'm not I'm, I mean when we're having a discussion. I disagree with a lot of what you said. I think that okay. what, I mean, uh, a let, lot of people do. Right. So so let, let's let's look at a a couple it's a layered nuanced conversation but let's start with uh, and and the crane part i i I agree that he didn't handle it right and and i don't know that many owners are as media savvy as you would think they would be becoming after becoming uh, you know billionaires but the situation is could he have been one of those detached owners that just really hired guys put them in place and really didn't know could it could that because people are assuming he had to be in on it like he was jerry Jones there are owners that are not involved as much in the day-to-day. Like someone oh, yeah. said, someone said, well, there was a, a, a monitor in the dugout. He had to have known. Okay. Having a monitor in the dugout it may not have registered for him in the same way that uh, it would have for others. I mean, what's your take on the possibility that he really didn't know? I
1: don't, I don't, I think that's very possible. I don't, I don't know that an owner would know. And I mean, and, and if I'm an owner, and my manager and my and my um, my players were involved in something like this, and they put me in it. I'd be very pissed. To, uh, excuse my French. But, well, I mean, I mean no, I really no, that's fine. That's fine. Because, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. don't put don't put me in this. So what? What I know about it, it has to stop. And see, and that's what he did. He, you he fired coming, him. You, yeah. You guys come and go. I mean, but he fired But the assumption is he may have known beforehand, and he didn't fire him then. He fired him only once it came. You know, once Major League Baseball made his findings, though. And then, and then leveled his suspensions on, on these guys. Cause those guys weren't going to be here this year anyways.
0: You know, well, um, but but it was a surprise to a lot of folks, really, especially A.J. Hinch. It was a surprise to Hinch that he got fired. It was a surprise to me that both of them got fired. Now, once you read the report, maybe not so much for Luno, but definitely for A.J. Hinch. I mean, you at the end of the day, it's, it's like any any CEO in a company. If
1: you're the boss, you may not necessarily have been directly involved with it, but you, you're going to pay the price. I mean, you know... These are your people. This, this is That's part of what you paid a whole lot of money to do is to understand and have, have a deep knowledge of what's going on on your team and how things are going down. And so when you don't do that, you know, you're, you're responsible. Hitch will get another job, though, I, I think. I mean, and he's, he's certainly coming out and saying all of the right things that I think will make it where, you know, somebody will hire him again. I mean, I think all will be forgiven in, in, his, in his regard
2: he'll
0: be okay. Well, see, and, and I thought his response was weak. I mean, not, you know, to say, well, I knew about it and, and they, they saw that I was upset, you, No, you you take charge. If you were the dude, you take charge of the situation. If you don't want it going on, it shouldn't go on. And I think he had a really weak response. And to me, he came off as less of a leader. So to me, if I'm hiring, I don't want a guy to be like, "Well, I, I thought they could pick up on my cues." No, no, no. That's not. Maybe that's because I, you know, I'm football centric, and you're used to guys with these dominating, domineering personalities. That hey, it's my way to the highway. But he came across like, "Oh well," they knew I were I wasn't happy. And 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 if you read the report, player said if he would have told us to stop, we would have stopped. So to me, he came out lesser than. But I want to go back to uh, you, you talk about maybe stripping the title I, well i think that, like you said you're talking about a slippery slope when you talk about the steroid era when you talk about uh, uh when you talk about you know scuffing balls uh, all the ways that people cheat and not not and the least of which is stealing signs which by the way is not illegal in baseball it's just illegal to do it electronically so i think right. you know so i, I don't think that and, and then I go back to what the commissioner did say, and Crane tried to reference it, but I think he did a poor job of doing so. What the commissioner essentially said is no way to tell how much of an impact this did have on the outcome of games. It's, it's, it's So many elements go into ter- determining who wins and who lo- loses. You can't measure the impact of potential cheating or the cheating that actually took place.
1: Okay, uh, but have you have you paid attention at all to to really the difference and and how the Astros performed at home versus versus how they performed on the road?
0: Yeah, I did. I, did. I looked and I went over some of those. Spe- well, I okay. did specifically in the post. What do you think? Well, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, obviously that there were there were some advantages, but also the pitching, <laughs> the pitching. The pitching was better. And I want to say, didn't they lose two games to Boston at home? I think that they lost one one game to Boston, one game to the Dodgers. I went over this whole thing in a previous podcast, but I know they lost one or two home games in those series, and they won game seven on the road in L.A. So, I mean, look, I know it's wrong. I'm not going to say it wasn't wrong, but I think that – The pressure comes from the fact that we've offended the two biggest media, the two and a half biggest media markets uh, in the United States, L.A., New York and half of Boston, which they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I think when when that spotlight is on you, they're going to be it's going to be excess pressure and it's going to be huge. But again, I I mean, to the the degree of how it helped, it's no way to know.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, and, and I think, you know, if if you're, I mean, I think, you know, you have to, you know, kind of, as we, as we say in, 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 in other realms of life, you have to walk a mile in those other teams and other fans' shoes to, to to understand, you know, maybe how they feel and think about how, how they think about this whole situation. I mean, and right now I'm telling you, most of baseball is really upset with the Astros organization right now.
0: Do you think that was the tip yeah. of the iceberg? How many teams do you think have done something? Because, look, they lucked the Beltran's sort of career. He was been what three or four years with the Yankees. Then he comes here for seventeen, and now he's back with the went back to the Yankees. I mean, what are we thinking here?
1: I don't know. You know, we now you now you're getting into hypotheticals. I mean, I, I'm not an investigator, so I can't really say about the, who who. Else. I mean, but trust me, it seems like in baseball, probably more than any other professional sport, you have guys. You know, I mean, they're always looking for shortcuts, ways to kind of to kind of get ahead. I mean, and, and, and whether like you said, it's scuffing balls, juicing, uh, you know, or, or whatever, whatever the case may be. I mean, they, they look for, you know, ways to get an edge. I mean, I just think that, you know, but once you get caught, you're caught. I mean, and so you have to be prepared and willing to deal with the consequences at that point. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, for the most part, the Astros kind of got off. I think they, they, they got off fairly easy. I mean, because
0: what would you, you have know, done? I, said, I mean, play commissioner for us in that situation. What would you have done?
1: That's hard to say. I think I definitely would have, I tell you what I would have done. I would have penalized the players involved also a little bit more as well. Uh, I mean, I would, have, I would have penalized them. I mean, to, to, to basically let them off scot free, uh, you know, is, is just not the, just not the, 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 quite the right answer here. I mean, and to only basically, you know, hold the organization and those two gentlemen, the GM and the, and the, and the manager responsible. Really, I mean, I thought that, you know, and maybe a couple of the other coaches hold them responsible and not really penalize the players who were involved. You know, I think that that, that sends the wrong message, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and, and I can, and I think in a way, but the fact that they did not get suspended is going to hurt them more in the long term. See, in America, we can deal with people. I, You know, if you go to jail and you do the time, a lot of times people will give you that second chance, theoretically and symbolically. Uh, they may not hire you, but they, they will. Hey, if you've done the time, they say, okay, he paid his price, and when you don't have to pay a price, I think baseball did them a disservice in that way because now they do look like they uh the rat that got away with the cheese. But I will say this. He said up front that they offered those players immunity because they really did want to get to the bottom of it. And I don't think that you can renege on that once you say, hey, we want the whole truth. We want to get to the bottom of this. But I just don't think that this is the only team to do it. That's sort of my biggest issue, and we don't know well, yet. We know Boston. Well, I bet you this. I bet you this. If there were other
1: teams doing it, I bet you they're not doing it right now.
0: Oh no, no, and, and that's what Manfred really wanted to do. He wanted to clean up the sport, and he did just that. Uh, I think that nobody is going to be because again, they know that that sign stealing is a part of the game. They just don't want technology to get ahead of their ability to govern the game, and so from that standpoint. Uh, you know, I don't – I just I, – I, it's a tough, tough situation. But I don't, I think for people wanting the Astros to cry and, 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 you know, have this moment like they cheated on their wives, that, that's not going to happen, man. Look, this is a competitive no, game, no. and they all do what they can do. Although, again, the Astros were 100% wrong – uh, for cheating like they did. How do you think they'll do this season under Dusty Baker?
1: Uh, because I like Dusty so much and I think so much and so highly of him as a man and as a, as a manager, I mean, I, and as a man who I think has got a lot of raw deals. I mean, you know, he's he's kind of, you know, in, in some ways exemplify what it's like to be just, you know, a black man in just corporate America, really. I mean, you know, it's, it's rough out here, you know, and, and it's not always fair. I mean, you know, Dusty has done a lot of the building of franchises, and then all of a sudden, once he's done the heavy work, they get rid of him, and then the, then the team you know, at that point they they bring in another guy to to, to take him over the top. I mean, and, and it's just it's an unfair thing to do, but it's it's the raw deal he's had. So I think he has a team right now that is just capable of winning it all right now, and so it'll be you know, I just said, I I I hope for his sake that they can you know keep this thing going. I mean, but I just think right now. It's just the organization is just in such a such a light that I think it's going to be hard, and and poor Dusty once again is going to get the raw deal because he'll he'll end up taking the blame for not taking this taking this team as far as they, it can go or as far as it went last season. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, yeah, I, but it's not his, it won't be his fault.
0: Yeah, I think for a lot of reasons you lose Garrett Cole, best pitcher in baseball. I mean, hey, what can you what can you do? Not to mention that yeah. you know, anytime you make a World Series run like they did in 2019. Guys A couple guys here and there had had to have had career best seasons. It's hard to sort of match that same sort of production year in, year out in baseball. So I want to shift gears here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the XFL. Um, You were there. What are your thoughts on the inaugural weekend of uh, XFL football? I like it. I like it, really do.
1: I mean, I think um, if fans are patient enough and, and are willing to, to learn these players, who we don't really know any of them at all. I mean, you know, unless you're just a diehard fan that follows every little thing, every little move that your team makes, you don't know these guys. I mean, these, these are guys that were cut, you know, usually were cut early in the preseason or they, they made the practice squad and, and you never really heard from them again. So this is, this is who these guys are, but I think that it's a it's a decent quality of football. It's not the NFL. If that's what you're tuning in for, shame on you because it's not that. But it's still it's quality football, and I think that these, some of these guys may be able to develop into players that we you know we may be following in the NFL at some point. But now, at the same time, that, that league that remember, but I mean, everybody should be very cautious because the league that folded last year, remember. Their first weekend wasn't so bad
0: either. Yeah, the the, the AAF, the Alliance, the yeah. Alliance American Football League. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It wasn't. I mean, the, the reviews weren't weren't so bad and scathing that first week either on them. And then all of a sudden, but I think Vince Man has put together a smarter model. Uh, you know, he has obviously a better TV package, and he's not paying these players a whole lot of money. So, you know, and because of that, you know, you I think that they they they're coming about, they're doing this a, a maybe a little bit smarter. And I think also doing business in Houston, you know, I think um is is smart on their part too because of 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 all the cities that you're in, this is probably the least expensive city to kinda of do business in. So you can do some things here. So that's why it's smart to have your 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 championship game here. It was smart to have your uh host your mini camps all here. Uh, you know, to kind of keep expenses down maybe. And so I mean, so I think, you know, he's doing – they're doing some economical things and they're really not paying people a whole lot of money, I mean, anywhere as far as I'm hearing. So, I mean, it has a chance to make it. I mean, but people don't have to, you know, give it enough time and we got to find out if people are that football star or, you know, are we all used to at this time of year kind of transitioning over into, into the basketball playoff run or, you know, the start of a major league baseball season. So I don't know. I mean, you know, are, are people really that football star that they needed pretty much all year round?
0: And well, now and I, I tell you what stood out to me, uh, and I want to get ask you about the rules a little bit. I, I was surprised by the, the the fanaticism of the fans. I thought the fans look they came in dressed out and, and face painted and and in regalia. I mean, it was it was wild. I didn't anticipate that for game one. I mean, they had close to eighteen thousand. Uh, what you know of, of of all the things around the game, what surprised you or didn't surprise you about uh, the opening weekend?
1: Well, that didn't surprise me either, too so much, Devin. Because, cause here's the thing: I mean, football has become such an elite and an elitism type type sport. Where I mean, unless you have a lot of money, it's hard to buy your way in as a fan. You you can buy your way into the XFL right now. I mean, it, 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 it's affordable. So for the fans that who can't really get into the Texans games because it costs so much, because the costs are so prohibitive. I mean, this is exciting. I mean, you know, uh, for them, this is their chance to really get in and get involved. And I think that's what we saw. We saw a lot of those type of fans who probably can't really get into the Texans at this point. I mean, you know, in the way that they would like. And so here you go. you got a chance to be supportive. And you can do it for $25, $35 a a ticket. Uh, You know, that's not going to happen with the Texans. You and I both know that. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and
1: so, you know, so I think um, so that, you know, so that part didn't surprise me. What really surprised me more than anything was that I felt like you had some really quality football, and I thought it was exciting at times. Uh, I think that they have some, you know, they really did go the right way and, and picking some good coaches. I think June Jones here is going to be a great coach. I mean, you know, cause he, he's he's a proven guy. Right, you know, um, and uh, and I mean, you know, you and so when you look all over the league, for the most part, they have good coaches and good places.
0: I want to ask you about the rules, though? Uh, did you like the kickoff, the extra points, uh, the two minute warning? What what did you of of the rules? Did uh, did you like all of them or any of them?
1: Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't not like any of them, but but you know, I, obviously, it was a little weird, uh, you know, sitting there and watching the kickoff. Uh, or a punt where nobody moved until the guy actually caught the football. There was nobody. You, you're taking the gunners out of the game. So, you know, you, you give the returner a chance to kind of, you know, to make some plays. Yeah, and, yeah that uh, was and, and interesting.
0: That, that that one that yeah. one of all of them, because of the formation, uh, and what they five yards apart or ten yards apart or yeah, whatever, it it, was, that was it very was, it was interesting. was like
1: five yards apart. Yeah, it was, it was like five yards apart. I mean, like, you know, it felt like they were, you know, they were lining up man to man right there, you know, and so, uh, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, and, and it did make for it. it everything that they said that they were going to do that was to make the game a little more exciting. I thought, I thought it worked. I mean, I thought that, you know, the kickoffs because certainly the, the kickoff returns were, were much more exciting. Uh, the, the punts were, 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 you know, more exciting because, you know, you didn't have a guy basically getting hit as soon as he got the ball. And so um, I thought that you know you gave guys a chance to make some athletic plays, um, the extra point deal. And I always saw you know the Houston game, and I you know and I was the one. I mean I, I was a little disappointed because I didn't know why Jim Jones didn't try try for three at least once, and especially at the end that last the last extra point opportunity after the final foot uh, after the final f- uh, touchdown that they had because. That would have actually technically put them ahead twenty by twenty one points.
0: Right, right. I know, so, he, talked know about, was, yeah. it, he talked yeah, about yeah. He talked about having a scorecard for for yeah. situations, and yeah, it seemed like that that would have been a great situation for that. Yeah,
1: right. I mean, I, I mean, I think you know, I'd rather have a team having it to 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 get twenty one than, than twenty. I mean, so I you know, and that was that was kind of my thought process there. But I was like you know, but i was like okay, cool. I mean, it did it, it, he He said you know. Nothing on uh, his card said, you know, go for three. So he he never did.
0: So, uh, do you think any of the rules, anything things you uh, you saw uh, Saturday, would translate to the NFL eventually? I mean, I know it's just one sample size. You just the one weekend, so not a large sample size. But uh, you, just conceptually, do you think that any of these may be adopted or, or modified for the NFL?
1: I, you know, honestly, I think that the I, I think the
0: kickoff stuff could be just because
1: of, I. When we start talking about trying to make the game a little bit safer, uh, you know it—it it, it certainly does. I mean, it, you know, because you—you you don't have these guys, you know, the, the gunners coming down, you know, full steam before this guy, you know, before this guy even gets the ball and and smash them and and, and cause a potential injury. So, I think they'll look at that one. Uh, you know, I think they're always looking at a way to kind of make you know make the point after you know a, a little more exciting. So perhaps they could go for something that that you know, that's like kind of on a graduated scale, but I think it'll take some time before they before they fully adopt that one. I mean, I think you know, right now they probably feel pretty good with moving that kick back a little bit to make it a, make it more of a challenge because more people are missing the kick than ever before.
0: Right.
1: So I mean, so they've kind of solved that. I mean, where's not where the extra point ain't is not automatic. I mean, you as we all know, I mean at some point the, the extra point has become a joke. Yeah, you yeah
0: know, why yeah. even why
1: you know why even kick it? You know the you know the guy's gonna make it, but that's no longer the case. But maybe they will do something where, you know, if you're if you're trying to catch up and you can go for three and go for two and and make up more points, I mean, you know uh, you know, but you know, I I think right now the NFL has has some bigger fish to fry. And this whole seventeen-game schedule thing is their major hurdle at this point that they that they have to figure out.
0: Yeah, I mean the the one proposal I saw in the NFL that I that I sort of thought might be intriguing. I'm not, and I, I don't think they need any more games. Honestly, uh, the sixteen-game schedule is fine. I don't think eighteen games or seventeen games. Is necessary. I think uh, the one thing I did see was talking about going to 18 games, but no player could play more than 16 games. So that means larger rosters, and guys have to, you, you know, coaches have to, and teams have to be strategic about when they sit certain guys. Like, do you sit your quarterback and and keep your offensive line? Do you do you have to sort of sit all your offensive linemen and then your quarterback? I mean, so you know, those are some intriguing sort of uh, scenarios. But I just, I, you know, I the, I think that they have to be careful because the NFL, they squeeze blood out of a turnip more than any league uh, out there. And I think that w- if the tide turns a little bit, fans will turn on them and resent these high prices and how uh, how they sort of put a price tag on every single little thing to try to get the most money uh, out of the entire situation. And I know all leagues do, but just it just seems like really they just do the most to try to make you pay every you know every dime in your pocket to watch some NFL football.
1: Yeah, oh, it's it's crazy, brother. It's, it is. It's you know the, the expenses to the roof.
0: I want to ask you before we get out of here? How can folks uh, catch up with you and and where can they read you? I know you're doing some good work over at the Houston Defender. Uh, give them some uh, information on how to reach out to you.
1: Oh, definitely. Well, hit, hit me on my on my Twitter account at Terrence Harris. Uh you know uh you know i'm there you know you can catch me on, on on the defender uh you know i'm having a lot of fun working with those guys and uh, and doing stuff with Sonny. i think that you know she's you know she really gets it i love and i think you and i we talked about it a little bit the other day i, I like her willingness to kind of step outside the box and do some things different you know with with coverage throughout the entire newspaper and uh and so i am i am i'm having a good time you know working with them and and continuing to do what I do, you know, as a sports writer.
0: Yeah, and I know that you and I we talk about, it, and I enjoy, I really enjoy our discussions when we talk about the industry, uh, uh, and and sort of we witnessed the 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 really the downturn uh, in print media uh, happen right before our eyes. I mean, you go in, and, and you more so than me, but uh, you 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 see guys in the press box will be smaller and smaller because your print guys are not there. Do you ever see the day when the pendulum will swing the other direction and people will seek out more? truth through sort of sports uh, quality sports writing because I do think we miss it in in so many ways even in this clickbait sort of times we live in uh, we miss quality stories that you will not get in, in you know in little two paragraph stories. Do you think it'll turn and, and go back the other way at some point? I hate to be
1: pessimistic, but I, I just feel like that ship has sailed, man. I think that you know. Newspapers and in the industry, they're not just doing this because they don't want to do longer stories anymore. I mean, everything about their studies tell them that that the, the readership does not value, you know, a lot of long form writing. And so, because of that, you can't get the advertising to support it. You're not going to get the clicks on it. I mean, you know, the well thought out. You know, stuff. I mean, some of us, I mean, us purists, us older guys, that's what we love. But this newer generation, which everybody's targeting, you know, they don't have the, you know, the patience for anything. They want it as quickly as possible. Let let me give it to you. And and, and these big bullets, this is what you need to know. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm out of there.
0: Yeah, and I think ultimately that will hurt the sport, the, the different sports as well. Because, you know, we fell in love with the Oilers and and the Astros of yesteryear and all of these teams, because we got a chance to really know those guys in ways that you won't get a chance to know them as much. I think you'll see them. I mean, obviously they can be more visible in ways, but to have really well-written stories, I go back, I referenced the DeAndre Hopkins story done for what ESPN magazine. And that was a really good long form story. We miss that from our local newspaper. Where well, we can go get, you know, the the second string wide receiver or the kicker or something. You know, we could get those stories and fall in love with these guys or get to know these guys in ways that you just can't. You can't do that with you know sports radio or on Twitter. I mean, so yeah. I, I mean, I just think that the the public in these leagues will will hurt. Because that love affair won't be as intense when you don't know these guys. It'd be much more adversarial, I think, between the media and the athletes as well.
1: Yeah, it is very much so. I mean, but but for good reason because you have a lot of you got you have a lot of and I hate to say this because some of them are my friends, but you have a lot of white journalists who you know are asking these black athletes questions and and, and sometimes asking these questions in, in offensive ways and not even knowing it or not knowing how to communicate with these guys before you really need them for a story to get them comfortable with you and, you know, being able to relate. I mean, because and, and, you know, as the industry has shrunk, I'm telling you, it's been an out and out assault on African-American journalists. So, I mean, you know, the type of stories that were, you know, that are being told, I mean, you know, and, and they're not. They're not as buried, and, and these guys don't trust them as much. I mean, and so you know, you're you not you're not going to get those stories. I mean, you know, I can't really speak for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's a good dude, but I mean, you know, I think that he understands how he, he in his mind he knows what he he thinks the media needs or, or wants to know, and that's all he's going to really give them. That's why for years he stood in front of you know, he stood in front of all of these guys. And none of them knew this story about his, you know, about his background and about his mom. His moms at every game, and none of them knew that story because there's nobody there who can relate to him and who can talk to him that he feels comfortable confiding in. I mean. so, boom, I mean, you know, that's why you have, you know, ESPN, the magazine got the story and nobody in this market knew it.
0: Yeah, and you see that increasingly. Like, we get, you know, breaking news from Adam Schefter, who's not in this market, you know. And, like, what happens to our local guys getting scoops in, in, you know, and that just doesn't happen anymore? Yeah,
1: no, it doesn't. I mean, it's increasingly, you know, less and less, man.
0: Well, like I said, you're fighting a good fight, man, and I certainly enjoy chopping it up with you because you, you have some pretty strong opinions and you know your stuff and you've been around for a long, long time. So it's always uh, fun to to have you on. And like I said, uh, to have discussions more than, uh, say, an interview. That way I can, I, you know, we can go yeah. point-counterpoint. So we look forward exactly. to
1: we do it. And, and, we, and all we're doing is we do what we do when we see each other. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're, we're just doing it. I mean, people don't realize that, but there's nothing different about, you know, about our interaction here versus, you know, in person. This is what we do.
0: Yeah, good stuff, too, yeah. man. Well, hey, I certainly appreciate it. And, uh, hey, man, we'll we'll talk to you sooner rather than later. How about that? We won't All take right, another man, I, I'm hundred...
1: counting count on it. Yeah, let's not make it another 100 or so episodes.
0: Hey, sounds good. Thanks so much. want to thank our guy Terrence Harris from the Houston Defender, and uh, we hope that he'll be joining us more frequently as we talk anything and everything sports. But now it's time for the lamont award i don't want to wish you no bad luck but i hope your ship sinks with no lifeboat and no life preserve and a school of piranhas surrounding you you big dummy now we give the lamont award to the entity team personality someone in and around the world of sports that we deem is the lamont of the podcast and lamont was what A big dummy so with that we go to the nhl now we don't talk nearly enough hockey we don't talk nearly enough nhl and we won't start today although they have birthed our latest lamont award recipient that's jeremy roenick a uh, former what chicago blackhawk I think I got that right. I think I remember enough about the sport to know that when he was in his heyday, he was a Chicago Blackhawk. And now he's a former NBC sports analyst who uh, covered the NHL for NBC. Ronick announced Wednesday that he won't be back at NBC sports after the company indefinitely suspended him without pay over comments he made about his coworkers. Now, what did he say? Did he, did he express his displeasure with just working with them? They, they were inadequate. They were just terrible in the workplace. Did he talk about, oh, you know, I can't work under these adverse working conditions? No, that's not it. That's not it at all. What he said was uh, comments that came during a podcast named uh, Spittin Chicklets is the name of the podcast. Ronick and his host engaged in a free flowing conversation about his NBC co workers, Catherine Tappan and Patrick Sharp. Now, Rowan said if he, his wife, and Tappan were going to bed together, that would be really good, but it's never going to happen. And he also later went on to describe Patrick Sharp as so beautiful. So it turns out that Ronick and Tappan and Ronick's wife went on vacation this summer over or this past summer in Portugal. And he talked about how uh, he was the man of the hour because he, you know, I guess he says, quote, uh, when you walk into every place and you have two blonde bombshells on each side, your chest pops out a little bit more. Then he went on to talk about Patrick Sharp and he says, he is so beautiful. And when asked whether he would sleep with him Ronick said, I wouldn't say no right away. no, that's about what he said, and that's that's enough to get your, you lose your gig. And I'm sure he was joking, and I'm sure that in the moment it was quite entertaining. But my man has no idea how to read the room. Have you not heard of R. Kelly? Have you not heard of Harvey Weinstein? Have you not heard of Bill Cosby? And furthermore, people in that industry, you have these major networks that are paying out millions and millions of dollars because guys misbehave in the workplace. And you just can't play those games from Matt Lauer at NBC to Bill O'Reilly with Fox News and all of the stuff that's going on. They're doing movies about all the uh, the sexual harassment going on in that place. Uh, so, with, uh, you know, they're still paying for it. Uh, other of uh, Charlie Rose at CBS. All of these people are paying out millions and millions of dollars. They're not going to play this game anymore. And I know that probably in the locker room, this is what, what they call it, locker room talk. I guess it works for Trump. Didn't work for you, Ronick. You can get away with whatever with the fellas, but you cannot say this publicly anywhere. And even though you were just joking, and I'm sure you were, and I'm sure it was funny. Although when you read it out of context, we read it for what it is it's kind of creepy kind of weird and i'm sure i don't know i don't know your wife i don't know how she gets down i'm sure she's not really happy with those kind of comments but nonetheless that's not the point the point is dude you don't get it hey man all you have to do is turn on the news read a newspaper listen to the radio watch cnn do something you have to know that this is unacceptable in 2020 And because you don't know, you lost your gig. But because you don't know, there's a slight consolation. And that consolation is the Lamont Award. Because after all, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. Come on, J. row you gotta know better. You just can't do that in this day and age. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm sure that you were in the moment, and I'm sure that the fellas got a lot of yuck yucks out of that one, but you lost your gig. And I'm sure because of your reputation, and I guess you were good at your job, uh, you will be hired somewhere along the way and you'll make amends, even though you're angry about it this time out. The tone. Uh, was not what the network is trying to deal with, especially when they're still paying out lawsuits behind Matt Lauer of the Today Show. Now, with that, before I let go... Before I let go, hey, want to thank our guy Terrence Harris. want to thank our sponsor, CoBank Homes. want to remind you guys to hit us up on WageWordProductions.com. Subscribe to the newsletter, the email list that we uh, send out, periodic emails. want to thank our guy, DJ Anarchy. And email us if you have some music you want to. Be on the airwaves at music at WageWordProductions.com. And as long as it's radio edit The genre doesn't matter We'll work you in Hey want to get out of here Want to remind you guys On Twitter At Wade's Word And of course on Facebook The Sports Talk with Devin Wade Page and group Looking forward to talking to you more And hearing from you more On the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Sports line 832-941-6614 Hey and as always Have a great day